Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, Paul talks with Czech faculty member Matthew Walden about a controversial topic at the moment, vegetarianism. Paul and Matt discuss the physiology, psychology, and philosophy surrounding vegetarianism as a way of life. They explore the reasons why people become vegetarians and challenge some of the common health and religious reasons that are presented by vegetarians for their decisions to avoid foods from animals. Well, welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check and Matthew Walden. Matthew, it is a pleasure to share the honest vegetarian with you. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a fun discussion. I'm very excited to do this with you, Matthew, because your background as a naturopathic physician and an osteopathic physician and your clinical experience and your own life experience, as we will discuss, gives you the credibility of someone who's not only uh, lived it, but looked into the research very deeply and spent a lot of time working with people that have a wide variety of health and performance issues, including vegans and vegetarians, just as myself. Mm -hmm. So it's fun for us to be able to share this podcast uh, together because we can really uh, do this not from an academic perspective uh, alone, but also draw on academic research and insights and our own clinical experience to share with everybody so that uh, it's a well-rounded approach. Now, to begin, because this is a sensitive topic, as anybody who has ever interacted with vegans and vegetarians knows, uh, they're, they're the, those, that, those groups are quite sensitized to anything that goes against their ideology. But... I'd like to share our mission statement for this program, The Honest Vegetarian, and I'll begin by saying that I titled it The Honest Vegetarian because I think there's times that all of us need to be vegetarians for various reasons, which we'll get into, and there's times where we also need to eat flesh foods to keep ourselves healthy and capable of contributing effectively to the world. And so because both of us have worked with a number of vegetarians and vegans that began their vegetarianism and vegan as an uh, honest um, means of getting healthy, such as healing cancer, but later on found that they were now sick again. And I recently had an excellent interview with Tim, Tim Sheaf, the amazing athlete from England who is a world champion, free runner, a ninja warrior winner, and many other amazing accomplishments. And it was a very good podcast because he himself went through the crisis of realizing that his ism was no longer serving his health, his vitality, his mental emotional stability, or his athletic uh, performance, and had to revert back to consuming flesh foods. And it was lovely to be able to talk to such a high caliber athlete who was so honest. But one of the sad things was he's, he, he did get and still is getting heavily attacked by the vegetarian and vegan community, which is not uncommon at all. So the concept of the honest vegetarian is really about not only being honest 
with what you need, which requires integration of your conscious mind with your body and ideally with your soul, the total consciousness within you and that which connects you to the universe or to what some may refer to as God or source. But the, uh, you know, the, the point being here is we want to be able to get guidance from our body so we can live optimally and have vitality and have higher consciousness and be open-minded and be willing to grow and be a good example for other people and support the planet, which, as we will discuss, really, really seriously needs our help now. So I'm going to begin by stating our mission statement for the uh, Honest Vegetarian program. One, neither Matthew nor I have any affiliation to or addiction to any given diet. Our intention and the intention of the Czech Institute is to teach people how to have an honest, intimate connection with their own body, mind, and soul so they can be guided to the optimal diet for their unique individual needs. We are both just as concerned about the ineffective application of and philosophy of veganism and vegetarianism, uh, vegetarianism as we are about the unconscious and excessive animal flesh food eating. We're both very concerned about the state of nature due to the unconscious program behavior of large corporations and people. We will both offer a long trail of resources to back our points as we progress through the uh, Honest Vegetarian program and on uh, this very important topic of eating. We have no intention of upsetting anyone. Our intention is to support nature and people with the knowledge needed to create harmony between human beings and nature and within themselves. We currently face many serious challenges that threaten the survival of a myriad of conscious beings in nature, ourselves, and the planet at large. And as Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. So we hope to inspire you each of you, to have an open mind, to take advantage of what we have to share from our clinical experience and life experience and the resources that we share. We hope all of you enjoy the program. And as I or we often tell our students, don't believe a word we say, go try it for yourself. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So I'm going to begin with my experience of vegetarianism. Uh, I think it's very important to establish for the vegetarians and the vegans listening that I am not uh, some carnivorous creature just blabbling about vegetarianism. I am somebody who has lived as a vegetarian two times in my life. When my mother joined the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, who also encourages people to be vegetarian, and we'll talk about his philosophy as we go into the program. My mother switched to vegetarianism, and she asked me if I would join her in doing that. At that time, I think I was 12 uh, years old, maybe 13, um, I think around 12. And I was a vegetarian for about six months, but I began to feel very lightheaded, dizzy, lethargic. Um, I was finding myself having a hard time completing my 
chores on the farm, which were often quite physical and extensive, uh, as in almost always. And so both my mother and my stepfather noticed that something was off uh, with me. Um, I was a very athletic child, very hardworking. So my mother took me to a naturopathic physician. And within a short period of time, he, he ran a blood test on me and, and basically walked back into the treatment room and said to my mother, your child needs a big steak. He's anemic and he's not getting enough flesh food to support his body's needs. And so my mother said, okay, no problem. I went home, started eating meat. And within about one day, I was perking right up and feeling fantastic again. Later in my life, uh, probably when I was about 45, my soul directed me to go to a completely vegetarian diet. So I went off of any, I didn't have eggs. I don't, I don't eat dairy anyhow, because I'm allergic to beef and dairy. Um, so I, I pretty much totally lived off of plant source foods uh, and had to look into books on vegetarianism and food combining because I quickly found that I was suffering from a lack of protein absorb absor absorbability. I could not, no matter how I combined foods or used beans and legumes and all the various supports that vegetarians often have to resort to to get enough amino acids, that I could not keep muscle mass on. And so I kept asking my soul that I was getting hungry and hungrier for flesh foods, do you want me to eat meat today? And the answer was no. And at this time, I was being guided into a variety of deep healing uh, techniques. I was and still am a Native American Indian medicine man spirit guide through the Native American Council. And my soul was initiating me into a variety of different healing techniques. And I often got up pretty much every day, got up around 3.34 in the morning to get to work real early. So I had quiet in my office. And I did a lot of various rattling, chanting, drumming, healing techniques, working with various stones and healing tools. And uh, my soul had me do Egyptian sun gazing meditations for a year where I would meditate pretty much for an hour each morning when the sun was coming up and, and an hour or as much as I could as the sun was going down. And I had a lot of very profound spiritual openings, awakenings, and too much to explain here. But this went on for exactly one year. It was quite an amazing realization that the day my soul told me to go ahead and start eating some fish and some eggs was exactly one year to the day I was told by my soul to become a vegetarian. In that time, I went from about 180 pounds, and I'm only about 7% body fat, typically 7 or 8% body fat, down to 164 pounds, even though I was maintaining my the same weightlifting routine and training program basically that I had prior to becoming a vegetarian. But I also noticed I was having a harder time recovering from exercise. And the further I went into it, um, the more I kept asking my soul, are you sure you want me to do this? 
and it became clear to me that it was for spiritual development reasons and also to develop spiritual discipline. Sometimes our soul will guide us into practices that are challenging in order to teach us to not take our directions from our ego, but from our higher self. So I uh, concluded that one year and then ate fish and eggs for about uh, actually almost exactly six months. And my soul said, return back to your normal diet of, of uh, just eating what your body needs and what I guide you to. And then I regained my muscle mass. I started regaining my muscle mass right away with fish and eggs. And then by the time I got back to just eating a variety of uh, flesh foods, the ones that I can eat without trouble, uh, I felt fantastic again. But I had a, a very, very honest, beautiful, deep tour through vegetarianism. And since then, uh, I found that there are many days that my soul guides me either to fasting or to eating a vegetarian diet, particularly when I'm doing healing ceremonies that include uh, plant medicines that are often best used without flesh or the spirit of the animal in your body. So Matthew, why don't you go ahead and share your experiences with vegetarianism? Sure, sure. So um, I first uh, was exposed to vegetarianism when I went to naturopathic college. Um, so as a young adult, um, I was being taught uh, both by the, the, the naturopaths there and by the nutritionists that, um, you know, there were lots of issues with meat consumption, particularly the saturated fats and the uh, cholesterol and so on. And as a student, that's quite good news in a way because, uh, because you know, meat is more expensive than vegetables to buy. So I, I thought that was a good thing and uh, ex explored vegetarianism with my, my flatmates that were studying with me. And, um, you know, so I, I initially started out doing it for health reasons um and uh you know i felt fine and i was quite pleasantly surprised at how enjoyable vegetarian diet could be um uh i realized that a lot of the tastes and flavors associated with eating are very much down to the, the spices and and the mix of vegetables and the textures that you can get from them and um, i wasn't strict vegetarian at that point because um you know i'd still go back home and and uh you know at home they they were eating a omnivorous diet so i would uh you know, sort of biased towards a, a plant-based diet, but um, but I certainly wouldn't sort of duck out of the roast dinner or that kind of thing. So, um, like I say, it was more from a health perspective initially. And then as I progressed um, into my early career, I started to get more into the philosophy of it. Um, and it felt to me like, actually, you know, it didn't make sense to me to, um, to eat meat partly from a, a health perspective, but also partly from a philosophical perspective. And um, what I hadn't really realized um, at the time was that I was getting quite regular colds. Um, and, you know, it used to, I, I do recall it sort of frustrating me that my friends that were off at university and were eating uh, garbage food <laughs> seemed, to be, <laughs> yeah. seemed to be as healthy as I was, if not healthier. And there's me sort of trying to be this uh, healthcare professional and, and, you know, practice what I preach and, um, and finding that not only was I getting colds at the drop of a hat, but I was, I get, uh, you know, whenever there's a stressful period like exams, uh, I would get cold sores. Um, and uh, I also 
again, without really realizing it, um, I was obviously having some blood sugar control issues because I used to find the first lecture after lunch almost impossible to stay awake in. And I remember, you know, in some of my early practice years, the first patient after lunch, particularly if you're doing something very calming, like uh, craniosacral type work, then, you know, I would find that you know, I'd be relaxing into the treatment and then suddenly I feel my head nodding and I go, oh, you know, God, I nearly nearly fell asleep on the patient. Um, and uh, of course, looking back on it, I realized that, um, you know, I was probably having too many carbs as a vegetarian. Um, and then I uh, went on a training with you. Um, I uh, I'd actually seen... God forbid. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'd seen a... Um, I, well, I first met you in New Zealand when uh, I went out there for my first year after practice um, and, uh, you know, saw you speak at a presentation there, which is quite sports focused. But w- when you came to the UK, um, you know, it was, it was a far more holistic presentation. That was around 2001. And um, uh-huh. I remember sitting there listening to you and you were talking about fast oxidizers and slow oxidizers. And this was all new to me. So I just done, you know, my training and, you know, Bachelor of Science degree and all of this stuff. And uh, this all seemed um, foreign to me. And I even wondered if maybe you got it wrong. And, you know, you're saying if you're a fast oxidizer, then you need meat. And I was thinking, no, no, meat's bad for you. And, you know, so I wasn't convinced. But but what you did was you obviously left the trail of um, references. Uh, and at that point, it was to uh, Biochemical Individuality by Roger Williams. And um, it was uh, Bill Walcott's Metabolic Typing Diet. And when I read those books, I was just blown away that I should have been taught that at college. And um, so I tested myself and um, in Bill Walcott's system, I came up as a fast oxidizer, which really means that you, you do a lot better with uh, more sort of dense foods like, like proteins. Um, and so the combination of your initial sort of uh, wake up call and then the follow up research, and I thought I've, I've got to give this a go. And so I did. And uh, like you said, in your story, I felt almost instantly better. Um, so so that was um, a real kind of lived experience of energy picking up, uh, lack of colds, lack of cold sores, um, you know, not getting this sleepy patch after lunch. Um, and so, you know, what what really dawned on me at that point was that, you know, at some point, your physiology outweighs your philosophy. And um, <laughs> yeah. yes, how beautiful, beautifully stated. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. It's Paul here. I'm taking a little break from the podcast for two big announcements. First, what you're hearing today is just a small fraction of what Matthew and I recorded on vegetarianism and how to eat intelligently and optimally for yourself. In fact, what we recorded is so comprehensive and complete, it was just overwhelming for one or even two podcasts. So we created a very special six-part Honest Vegetarian audio program exploring key physical, emotional, and psychological aspects of eating that will be released at the end of this month. As a listener of Living 4D with Paul Check, I'm going to give you free first access to the entire six-part series on October 31st. That's my first announcement. Second, and this is even bigger, I'm excited to announce that the Honest Vegetarian audio program will be hosted on our brand new Chikiva media platform. What is Chikiva? Well, if we start with the chi of Chikiva, we have chi, which means life force, the source of your vitality. Kiva comes from the Hopi Pueblo peoples. For the Pueblo, a people who lived close to the earth and had a beautiful living philosophy, the Kiva was a spiritual meeting place. 
The kiva was believed to be a place where ancestral spirits came to visit or live again. The geometry of the kiva incorporates the circle, masculine, and square, feminine, a design that was created specifically to facilitate balance of body, mind, and spirit. Chikiva will be our virtual meeting place, a place where we can share videos, audio programs, and articles with you about how to keep yourself vital and live a truly holistic and meaningful life. We will add new content regularly, and there will be something there for everyone. Whether you're a personal trainer, an osteopath, a professional athlete, a busy mom, an overworked CEO, or just someone looking to be your healthy best, Jakiva will have something you will need to take the next step towards your goal. But I don't want to give away everything. I want you to see it. So as a gift to all my Living 4D listeners, I'm giving you a free beta access to Chikiva. Go right now to Check Institute, that's C-H-E-K Institute dot com forward slash C-H-E-K-I-V-A and sign up for the beta test. The sign-up closes October the 31st. On November 1st, you will receive an email with full access instructions giving you a first look at the Chikiva experience and everything we've currently uploaded into its library, including the full six-part Honest Vegetarian audio program, which I'm confident will not only blow your mind and teach you all sorts of stuff you didn't know about eating and food, but will really give you the tools to make intelligent, well-informed decisions about your diet and even your lifestyle. I can't wait to hear back from you about Chikiva. It will be a huge part of the Czech Institute in the future, and I'll think you'll see why when you get your access. Again, if you want first access to the Honest Vegetarian audio program and the new Chikiva library, go to chekinstitute.com forward slash C-H-E-K-I-V-A to join our beta test. And now, back to the podcast. Um, and so, anyway, I, I'm, I'm just going to throw something in that, that might be a little bit unexpected, but um, I wrote a poem about this, partly because my dad, my dad loved his poetry, and um, he sent me a poem about, um, it, was, it was written by, let me just see, a guy called David Eccles, and he wrote a whole book called Now We Are 60, um, which was a kind of, um, uh, I guess it was a, a hat tip to A.A. A. Milne. And he, he wrote a, a, one of A.A. A. Milne's books, who was the Winnie the Pooh author. He, he wrote... Um, maybe, I should, maybe I should read that yeah. book because I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on the door <laughs> yeah. of 60 yeah, here. Yeah. So he, he, he uh, wrote this sort of uh, updated version, um, which uh, one of the poems in it is called Eternal Youth. And it's all about, as, as they call him, a health freak. And because of, you know, where I was at in my career and the fact I was constantly telling my family about how they should be eating this and, you know, moving this way and all this kind of stuff, my dad sent it to me. And I, I'm just going to read a couple of verses so you get, get the sense for the, for the poem. But uh, it starts out, there once was a health freak who morning and night ate chlorella dark green and magnesium white. He was fit as a flea and thin as a bean on magnesium white and chlorella dark green. He never ate meat and he never touched fish. He was strict vegetarian, dish upon dish. And he ran through the park with his head in a snoot and did yoga each night on the floor in the nude. <laughs> and, ah. and it goes on. And there's several verses. But essentially, the, the, the end of the, the, uh, the rhyme, if you like, or the poem says, he concludes with, so if you're ever tempted to push back the years and to score extra points with your friends and your peers, the funny thing is, anyway, in my book, 
the harder you try to, the older you look. So, Amen. <laughs> so it's quite, quite amusing, but it, but it was a little jab at me from my dad. And, you know, you're some, sometimes it's good to have that. Um, so I wrote a response and I thought, I'm, again, I'm not going to read the whole response, but I thought I'd just read out a, a few of the verses because it gives you an insight into where I was at, uh, at that point in my life and my thinking. So I, I, I called it a naturopath replies. Okay. And I said, um, as a naturopath, I'm compelled to retort that your humor is good, but your sight rather short. I smile with your sentiments, though find it hard concurring with your bodily disregard. And I'll skip a few verses. This is the bit about uh, vegetarianism. So he didn't suppose eating, this is me talking about myself in the third person. He didn't suppose eating the flesh of dead creatures was one of mankind's most developed of features. And also he'd read that to eat up your veggies was better than binging on bangers and wedges. And so in respecting his body's own needs, he'd eat an assortment of beans, fruits and seeds, some vegetables, nuts and chlorella, dark green and mineral water without the chlorine. He wondered of all of the people he knew if any would have the heart or the nerve to hunt down and then slaughter a lamb on its graze, then gut it and mince it just for bolognese. The kill, thought the young chap, would surely be messy. And then there's the risk of contracting BSE or foot and mouth scrapies E. coli, it seems. With all of these maybes, I'll stick with my greens. When philosophizing, he often had reasons that others' behaviors have mainly been seasoned by parents, grandparents, and four generations passed on to the next without considerations or questioning what was the right thing to do. If animals feel, should one eat them as stew? And if the fats found in the meat hurts one, hurt one's heart and toxins within meat have shown they can start a cancer to grow in one's digestive tract, should one, like a robot, eat meat or react, break out of the mold and break free of the habit? If health is an option for one, one should grab it. And then I finish off the poem. So I'm not, again, that's, I think that's plenty, plenty of, of uh, rhyme. But I then later wrote... Uh, an updated Czech practitioner version, which I'm not going to read now. I'm going to save it for later when we're doing the more philosophical bit. But I thought just giving you that insight, um, you know, I really was thinking that eating the flesh of dead creatures was wrong because we don't have to do it. And then I met you and, uh, you know, also started to develop my own philosophies uh, really largely as a part of meeting you and my interest in that. And and things really shifted for me. So, um, so of course, by adopting that new understanding that different people require different uh, diets and different ratios of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, I started to work with that more with my clients and um, very quickly started to see uh, quite dramatic results, um, you know, from things like uh, I had a, actually a friend of mine who'd, who'd uh, experienced impotence in a very stressful breakup situation and an ex-girlfriend who was um, a vegetarian and so had essentially been living vegetarian for for a number of years and um you know when we tested him uh he turned out to require a higher level of protein uh, as well and he was he'd been essentially eating more or less vegetarian for several years and uh essentially his his uh whole physiology turned around within two weeks and he didn't need any kind of medication to get back uh in the zone get his mojo back as he put it um <laughs> good uh, and I've had uh, I've had various clients over the years who have um, come in with quite often it's actually a secondary complaint. They might be coming in with low back pain or, or some kind of musculoskeletal complaint. And as part of the history taking, you find that they're having perhaps fertility issues or something like this. And then you dig a bit deeper, and they're vegetarian. And then you say, well, you know, we could 
test this and, and look into this in more depth. And it turns out they're faster oxidizers or, or, or people who do better on higher protein intake. And um, just by changing their diet, the, the, the two that I can recall off the top of my head got pregnant within a couple of months. So it was really, again, quite a dramatic uh, experience for, for, for me and for them, of course. Um, and then I've had other patients with insomnia, again, not, not as their primary presenting complaint, but it comes up in the history. It turns out they're eating vegetarian. And um, when you test them, same thing, you know, that they, they need more protein and the protein helps to balance them, balance their blood sugar and allows them to, to sleep through the night. So, um, you know, there's many, many other examples of people with, uh, with cancer that um, obviously, you know, we don't treat the cancer, we, we uh, treat the person and we improve the health of the person. Um, but in doing that, people have had uh, remissions and, uh, you know, reversals of, of cancer, diabetes. And also, you know, from a musculoskeletal point of view, obviously, having trained as an osteopath, I see a lot of musculoskeletal pain patients. And for some of them, you can get everything aligned, everything working well, um, you can get them conditioned, and still the pain is not going. And sometimes just making that tweak in their nutrition can be the thing that really, uh, you know, just tips the balance, and suddenly they start to get better again. Um, so that's been my, you know, sort of snapshot of my clinical experience and my, my personal experience with, uh, with vegetarianism. Yes, and it's uh, very parallel to my own. Mm. Um, I've had a long string of vegetarians with fertility challenges, just like you. Uh, I've had several cases where, again, people, uh, couples were having a hard time uh, getting pregnant and um, straightening that out, getting their diet right and looking at the other four doctor factors. Uh, in every single case, they were able to conceive usually within two to four months. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes six months, depending on how bad they are. I've had a wide variety of cases of disease from cancer to endometriosis to skin conditions to, you know, you name it, lots of things. And there's been also a number of cases where people were just eating way too much meat that was causing them tremendous problems with toxicity and lethargy and yeah, yeah. fungal and parasite infections as well. So you know, as the theme of this uh, show is, we're we're not really uh, saying any one philosophy is better. Ultimately, what we're saying is that it's really about developing an intimate relationship with yourself. And we will get into a lot of the philosophical issues. We'll get into the science behind it as we go. We've got a very complete program laid out here. Uh, you're you're talking about how you used to have a hard time staying awake in the afternoon lecture reminded me I was teaching Czech level three in England. <laughs> um, what was the name of that town where Alex Eastbourne. used to live? Eastbourne, yeah. 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 At the tennis at the place where the tennis courts were out the window, kind of a stadium right. where we're way up on top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Czech level three, for those of you listening, is a very comprehensive course. It's it's probably right there with level four for uh, extensive detail in anatomy, physiology, and very complex uh, biomechanical assessment and advanced manual therapy approaches and corrective exercise approaches. So it's not a course that you can afford to fall asleep even for five minutes in, or you're probably never going to be able to apply the training. And one of my students in the particular class I'm referring to uh, was a man from Guyana, and 
he kept falling asleep. And after about the second day, I said to him, you are missing a lot of class. And to prove it, I would ask him questions regarding the material I'd covered while he was asleep in his chair. And he couldn't answer them. And it made the students all giggle and laugh. <laughs> and I said to him, are, are you bored? Is this disinteresting? Or what's I said, no, I said, I, just for the life of me, I can't keep my eyes open. As hard, he says, I've been having a hard time keeping awake at this time of the day for a long time now. Well, one thing led to another. You know, I said to him, tell me about your diet. Well, one of the first things he said is I'm a vegetarian. I said, well, that's probably the problem. How long have you been a vegetarian? Well, it was many, many years. I think 12, 15 years, if I remember right. So I said, well, you're from Guyana. What is the native diet there? What do people eat there uh, that have been there historically? And he said, well, there's a lot of fish. I said, is there any game animals? He said, yes, they eat some game animals. So it's a mix of fruits, vegetables, fish, and game. I said, well, both your parents are from there. That's your genetic lineage. When you start eating in a way that supports your genetic needs, you probably won't have a hard time. I said, so let's do an experiment. I said, if you trust me as your teacher, when you go out today, go eat some fish. Try to get some white fish because it's after you haven't eaten meat for a long time, you don't want to go to the heavy meats. It can give, make you very uncomfortable. I said, just go out and have a nice portion of some kind of white fish. Well, he came back from lunch and everyone in the classroom noticed something had happened. His eyes were brighter. His energy was better. And I said to him, how do you feel? He said, oh my God, Paul, it's amazing. I, I just ate lunch, you know, 30 minutes ago. And I already feel like, I feel like someone gave me an espresso, but without the buzz. <laughs> And he was able to, uh, one, he felt so much better. He continued to eat uh, fish throughout the course. And I believe he continued to stay on that diet. I mean, years later when I was talking to him, he was still eating as I teach, like listening to his body. But it's just another example. And, you know, when people aren't getting the, the uh, hormones, they can't produce the hormones, then they can't run their system effectively. We will get into that as well. Yeah, I was I so, was there. I remember it. <laughs> oh, is that, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mention yeah, yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he wants that kind of publicity, that's, but that's uh, fair enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know who yeah, it yeah. is. He's a, he's now a level four practitioner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are now going to go to vegetarianism. Um, has applications that are positive when it's used intelligently. So what I'm going to do and Matthew is going to do now is we're going to cover some positive applications of vegetarianism. The first one is spiritual development periods, which I highlighted as the primary reason my soul guided me into vegetarianism. And if you study uh, various philosophies of spirituality and people like uh, Plato and Plotinus and, and many of the great minds out there they were vegetarians and so uh, so are a lot of the eastern spiritual masters uh, and we will talk about uh, some of those um, so it's very very true that going to a vegetarian diet for purposes of spiritual development can be very very helpful i found it really opened up my sixth and seventh chakras quite amazingly and, and i was able to access other dimensions that are parallel dimensions to our own, such as the astral realm or the uh, noosphere, the mental realm, 
And I found that my remote viewing was much easier to do. And my clairvoyance was, was incredibly good. And so there, there is applications, but there is a tipping point where you actually start finding those abilities diminish. And that is going to go hand in hand when, with when your body's resources are not adequate to provide what you need. And then you will start going into gluconeogenesis and eating your own flesh. So at that point, you become a meat eater again, except you're the animal being hunted <laughs> by yourself. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you've been following my work for any length of time at all, you know how important organic food and organic farming is, not only for the health of the soil and to protect all the little beings in nature from toxic chemicals and throwing nature completely out of balance, which directly affects us, but also for our own health and well-being. We all need nutrient-dense foods for body-mind well-being. And I'm so excited about the Organifi line. Organifi is a product line made of certified organic source materials. And I've checked this out personally. I can guarantee you that. One of my favorites that I've recently tried is their red juice, which has acai and cordyceps infused into it. It's a super, super tasty product. And it revitalizes skin cells, supports your metabolism, has antioxidants in it, age-fighting nutrients, helps mental clarity. It's got a lovely natural sweet flavor. And something that I found really interesting, if you go to Organifi.com and look up the red juice, they show you a price per serving comparison against Palm Wonderful, Red Bull, Gatorade, and a Starbucks latte. And Organifi red juice is actually significantly more cost-effective considering not only the price but the density of the nutrients in it. I think you'll be really amazed with this red juice, along with all their other products. If you go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and as you're checking out, use the code lowercase c-h-e-k-20 altogether, you will get a 20% discount on your Organifi purchases. I'm super excited to share this company. I've tested their products. My family's tested their products. And we're all behind them. And I know you're going to be satisfied because this is the real deal. This is true nutrition. Check it out. As you check out, C-H-E-K-20 to get your discount. Thanks for joining me. Hope you to continue to enjoy the podcast. And if you love it, share it with as many people as you can. Paul, is, would you say that that is related? I know in Steiner's philosophy, he talks about the gravity uh, of, of animals and the levity of plants and is that would you say that's related to those two concepts the way it opened up your your sixth and seventh chakras is, is it because it's bringing your energy up into levity yes and also it's also has to do with the nature of uh, how plants are connected into the energies and the environment of the earth and the cosmos mm -hmm. if you Think of every living being as an antenna system, and you look at Steiner's teachings. Steiner taught that the more membranes there is in any living organism, the higher its capacity is for consciousness. So to clarify that for people that may not know what I mean by a membrane, each cell has a membrane within which is the nucleus. So the membrane of the cell holds the 
cytoplasm and the organelles within the cell and makes it like a little living organism, just like a single-celled amoeba. <clears throat> so there you, you really have one membrane. But if you slice open something like a piece of beef or you look at the, an anatomy chart of the human body, you will see that there are literally thousands upon thousands of layers of fascia. All like if you look at the muscles, your each muscle is wrapped in fascia. Each fiber bundle is wrapped in fascia. Each fibril is wrapped in fascia. And then the actin and myosin filaments themselves are made of uh, amino acids, proteins. So then, if you say, "Well, let me then go uh, cut open a piece of cactus, or look at a piece of watermelon." Or broccoli or some cauliflower, you will see comparatively speaking, there are far, far less layers of membranes. And the way I describe this to my students, especially when I'm doing shamanic uh, healing work or training, I say, well, look, here we're holding on to a drum. It has one membrane. When you hit that drum, or what I'll do to demonstrate this is I'll say, take your drum up, put it in front of your face and chant ohm to it. And if you get your frequency just right, the drum will start vibrating ohm right back at you. Mm. Then I say, now, if you put two drums side by side, so you just take two drums, hold them on top of each other, kind of like stacking two plates. And if you chant ohm, you'll now get a double resonance of ohm. The first drum will start vibrating to your voice and the second drum will vibrate to the first drum. And so if you think now of cosmic energy, the and there's a massive amount of energy that we don't feel through our sensory system, such as x-rays, gamma rays. And this is the nature of why electromagnetic pollution is so important, because those energies are passing through our membranes. And the same way we play a drum to make music, which can have a message mm -hmm. and it can produce coherence. The more membranes you have in a living organism, the more you get this resonant vibration. And that energy, because the entire body of all living organisms is a fascial web, if you vibrate one single cell membrane, you're producing a frequency that is that resonates through sound and through the fascial membranes and through electromagnetics and many other forms of transfer that informs the entire organism. So what Steiner explained is that when you eat animals, you're eating something that's uh, got a much higher capacity for consciousness and has a much more, shall we say, comprehensively developed or complex structure. And it takes a fair bit more energy for the human body to break it down and for the immune system to uh, break that organism down so that there is not an issue of uh, not self being integrated into our body. If something passes through your small intestine, such as a molecule of beef, the immune system has to eliminate it. Mm. It's only because your immune system and your, and your digestive system demolish the idea of the plant or the animal to the point that it's in its basic constituents that we don't turn into a lamb, for example. If we eat lamb chops for a year straight and nothing else, if it wasn't for our immune system, metaphorically, we would be replacing all of our human cells with lamb cells. So as a metaphor, we would become very lamb-like. Yeah. But Steiner explains that our immune system has to break all these things down and that the plants not only are much easier for the body to break down, but they 
the, the uh, level of consciousness that they attract as an antenna system is not nearly as condensed. So it's easier for us to, to rid ourselves of the psychic influences of the animals because they're much, much more of a complex, complex antenna system. So whenever we're eating an animal, we're actually bringing the spirit of the animal in because there's molecules of cells of the animal in our body, which are still antenna systems trap, tapping into the frequency or the morphogenic field in which the consciousness of the animal resides in, mm. um, which current research shows that consciousness the memory of any organism is not actually in its body. It's in the field around it. And that, for those of you who are interested, you can go look at uh, Greg Braden's series on Gaia TV called Missing Link's third, third season. And it's in some of the most recent episodes that he actually showed new science, which also showed that water, which has uh, an almost infinite capacity for memory and is now being used in the most elaborate computer systems in the world, as memory systems, they showed that the water actually doesn't contain the memory within itself, but the water is an interface with an energetic field that carries and and holds the memory that is uh, imprinted into it through the computer system, which is also what's happening in our bodies. Steiner also uh, pointed out that the, the plant kingdom has much more growth and regenerative capacity. You know, you can cut. Uh, parts off of a plant and it will grow them back, but you can't cut your fingers off and grow them back unless you're a very advanced yogi. Yeah. Uh, you know, if anyone's read the autobiography of the yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, there's a section in there where he talks about a yogi who got his arm cut almost off or completely off, I think, by a, a sword. And he talks about how yogis can regenerate tissues. So that. What what basically what I'm saying in a fairly elaborate way is that most of the spiritual teachers, including Steiner, Steiner said that he chose to be a vegetarian because the the growth and regenerative powers of the plants gave him the ability to do more work. Mm, he could mm. stay up longer. He could uh, you know get more work done because he felt that the plants had the ability to uh, give him more vitality and more strength. Now, because Steiner was here a long time ago, I don't really have any way of assessing what the long-term consequences on his health were. Um, but as we'll get into later, we can see that there are some real health consequences to some gurus that not only promote vegetarianism, but stick with it too long. Yeah, yeah. So we have vegetarianism for spiritual development periods. Uh, I've I've heard lectures by or audiobooks by or talked to a number of people that teach advanced meditations and do uh, silent retreats, uh, many of which uh, include a vegetarian diet for those people for the ability to get deeper within. Um, we have shamanic healing ceremonies with plant medicines. Most of the shaman that I've worked with from around the world uh, also say that when you're doing medicines like ayahuasca and several other medicines, that you don't want the spirit of the animal in you. For one, the plant spirits will essentially kick it out. It'll put you through a very intensive uh, purging, which can be both 
North Pole and South Pole. You know, <laughs> in other words, vomiting and shitting a lot. And I've had cases where I told people not to eat meat for a given period of time before doing ayahuasca ceremonies with me, but they didn't pay close attention and did anyhow or just ignored it. And I said, well, that's fine. You just get to see what happens when the spirit of ayahuasca meets the animal in your gut. <laughs> and they, they did get to see. <laughs> yeah. and, and they won't do that again. Yeah. yeah. And also, I have actually tested myself for my own investigations using uh, various medicines, psychedelic medicines, and then specifically ate meat in the middle of one of those ceremonies. And in each case, I had a very profound reliving of the death experience of the animal because the psychedelics uh, basically dissolve the ego's filtration system so that you be you're able to become conscious of what normally is uh, unconscious to the human being in their normal waking state. And because these types of things are happening to us all the time, if, uh, you know, what, what, what can happen is if you realize that the plant medicines are only increasing your ability to be conscious of the information flowing through your psyche and your body, then you realize that whenever we're eating something, that was killed in an inhumane way, it's having very profound effects on our psyche. And, and we will talk about that as we go through this program. Then the issue of detoxification is very important. And I often prescribe vegetarian diets for periods for detoxification. Um, and then there's specific medical conditions. And Matthew will expand on this shortly. Um, psychological conditions such as anxiety, depression, mania, uh, anger. Uh, I found a lot of those do well with organic eating and periods of vegetarianism and fasting, unless these are happening to someone that's already a vegetarian, in which case it's almost always the toxicity developed from eating non-organic plant sources, which as we will discuss later is a major problem with the uh, vegetarian and vegan philosophy out there. Uh, also, I've had a number of cases, and it's getting more. Uh, they're 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 piling up. People are reaching out to me from all over the world, especially young people with very serious cases of dark, negative, often suicidal thoughts, and some even describe wanting to kill people, wanting to kill family members, having very uh, bad problems with rage. And in every single case where I could get those people to clean up their diet, switch to organic, and start using the techniques I teach in our primal pattern eating online course, their negative thinking and depression and anxiety typically cleared up, uh, usually within as little as two weeks. So Matthew, why don't you go ahead and expand on some applications for vegetarian uh, eating? Sure, sure, yeah. Well, just before I do that, you know, the, the first um, shamanic ceremony that I went through with you, um, we had lunch together in the middle of the, the ceremony, just a, a very light lunch. And we had some uh, wild salmon. And although I didn't go through, uh, I didn't experience the, the death experience that, that you were talking about, what I really strongly experienced was uh, a sense of swimming. Um, yes. And it was, was interesting about it was, you know, if I try and reflect on it, it, I wasn't primed at all. You know, you hadn't said, now put this in your mouth and, you know, and, and see what that, uh, what, emerges in your psyche or anything like that you hadn't sort of said you know do that I just literally we, we started to eat and I just got this sense of this 
beautiful kind of um, swimming sensation through my body. And uh, I was yeah. blown away that I could experience the, the life of the fish through eating it. Um, and like you say, you know, because the ego is out of the way, then you, you're actually fully engaged with the experience. Um, and you don't realize that's happening the whole time. Um, but anyway, so that was just a, a little side note on your comments uh, just uh, earlier. But so I've had the same experience before. It's quite profound. Mm, and mm. like I said, I've, I've, I specifically research these things to get past just ideas in people's heads. That's my way, as you mm, know, mm. is to, to test things. And, and, and uh, my model is until I've tested it and have enough clinical validation that my concept is worth sharing on a, on a, at a public level, mm. I don't usually say anything or I'll state it. I have a hypothesis or a theory, mm. but uh, many times I've used fish for the test and found myself laying on the floor going through basically like a, a, a Kundalini wave energy mm. and felt just like I was a, a trout or a salmon swimming upstream. And if you just let your body go, it, it literally starts swimming. Yeah. You know, if you were in the water, you'd be swimming away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sort of really, it's like the the, the food, I know we're going to come on to this later, but it's, it's like it's just giving you the information of how to swim, of what, of the embodiment yes. of swimming. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so talking a bit about um, clinical applications of vegetarianism, there's a whole number of them uh, potentially. Um, of course, um the, probably the most famous one or the one that people are most aware of is um, chronic kidney disease. And um, because the kidneys are largely responsible for protein processing and reabsorption, um, of course, if you're having a, a relatively low protein diet, which, which most vegetarian diets are, um, then that can be very beneficial to take stress off of the, the kidney system. Um, so that's, that's the first one. And there's research into that as well. So you know, all, all of the, the, the points I'm going to discuss here are things where, um, there are reference studies, peer reviewed studies on these. Then, um, it can be applied, uh, for green fasting or detoxification. So green fasting, um, is another way of saying, uh, fruit fasting or vegetable fasting. It's, um, it's somewhat different to, uh, a full fast, uh, because of course you're still getting sustenance on board. Um, but the idea is that you're, you're minimizing the work of the digestive system by eating greens as opposed to anything else. And that helps in the detoxification process. So that's something that is used medically. Um, then, of course, um, one, of the, one of the things that's known about gut physiology is that um, proteins and actually glucose as well. But, but because we're talking about vegetarianism, it's the proteins that are most relevant. Um, they actually require active transport to get the proteins from the gut across into the blood system. Whereas things like fructose, which is obviously the fruit sugar, um, and also fats, they are absorbed passively. So there's an argument there for giving your digestive system a, a break and uh, minimizing the, the, the efforts, let's say, of, of uh, absorbing proteins and glucose potentially as well. Um, so that's another reason why a, a kind of green fast can be beneficial uh taking the stress off one of the the systems of the body then um one of the things that, that's known about eating high levels of muscle meats is that um they can be somewhat pro-inflammatory now this does depend of course on what kinds of meats you're eating 
But um, what we do know is that the uh, amino acid methionine is very high in muscle meats. And uh, when methionine is high in the body, so if you're eating a lot of muscle meat as your diet, then that drives up homocysteine levels. And homocysteine is correlated with uh, coronary heart disease. So um, high homocysteine, increased risk of coronary heart disease. Um, now, of course, a vegetarian diet is very low in methionine. So that's one way that a vegetarian diet may help to prevent or to even treat coronary heart disease. But if you are a meat eater, then eating glycine counterbalances and has a, an antagonistic effect to the methionine. And glycine is found in connective tissues. So if the, one, of the, one of the interesting things um, I've just written about, actually, with Mark Sisson, is um, that if you look at the, the history of, of um, hominid uh, dietary habits, then what you'll find is that for quite a long period of time, uh, we're talking you know, hundreds of thousands of years, possibly millions of years, we would have been eating uh, not just the muscle uh, meats, but also connective tissues and other what we would now consider lower quality meats and organs. And uh, it's those muscle, uh, the, sorry, those connective tissues and organs that have high levels of glycine. And so that helps both in counterbalancing the inflammatory effect of homocysteine, um, but uh, also helps you to rebuild connective tissues as well, because uh, of course, glycine found in connective tissues. If, it's, if you want to rebuild a connective tissue in your body, then building it with connective tissue is easier than uh, building it with broccoli or something like that. <laughs> um, which, is, which, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I love slow-cooked yes, meats. Yes. You, know, like you take the whole duck or chicken yeah. and slow-cook it, and my body just loves the tendons and the connective tissues and the joint mm -hmm. capsules. The skin. And, you know, yeah. yeah, and the skin when when you slow cook them, man, it's just such a treat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and you know, as as you know, we've we've uh, got sort of this phobia of organ meats, mm -hmm. but in nature, uh, carnivorous animals will eat the animal from the inside out, and the muscle meats are the the least of the favorites. That's right. That's why the and, lion's share is actually not the 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 rump steak; it's the liver and the uh, the adrenals. That's the lion's share of the kill um so yeah yeah actually weston price tells a story about uh he got contacted by i think it was the De detroit zoo they had just brought in lions for the first time mm. and they wanted to really take good care of them so they were feeding them very high-end you know cuts of steak and and the lions begin to get sick and their hair started falling out so they contacted weston price and when he got there and found out what they were feeding them, he said, well, the reason they're sick is because you're feeding them muscle meats all hmm. the time. These animals eat organ meats primarily and only muscle meats after they've eaten the organ meats. Yeah. So he had them switch to feeding them uh, organ meats uh, as, as often as they could and as much as they could. And very quickly, the animals got healthy. Yeah, again. yeah. Yeah, amazing. Kaizen is the Japanese philosophy and science of constant and never-ending improvement. You may have heard it called Kani in the Western world. It's a principle we strive to embody here at the Czech Institute, and there's no better example of that than Paul's Czech Academy. Each year, we review the feedback from the students, faculty, and support staff. We look into the latest research on learning, and we use all of that to improve the academy. 
That means if your goal is to become a true master of holistic health and performance, there's never been a more exciting time to apply to the Czech Academy. For the 2019-2020 year, we are adding five brand new courses, including Walking Tall, an in-depth course on gait analysis, Practical Applications of Breathing, Posture and Movement, an online course that will teach you essential assessment and exercise techniques to achieve optimal breathing. Infant Development, another online course showing you how to assess for disruptions to motor skill development and exercise techniques to recover from those disruptions. Holistic Health and Performance for Women, a groundbreaking online course that dives deep into the theory and practice of training women. And our Golf Performance Specialist Online. This course will provide you with hours of in-depth training in assessment, coaching, proper exercise technique, and program design specifically for golfers. And that's just the start of our improvements to the Czech Academy. So if you embrace the principle of Kaizen like we do, if you have the commitment, passion, and dedication it takes to become a true master of holistic health and performance, then we invite you to apply to the Czech Academy now. Visit us online at checkinstitute.com forward slash academy to get started. And now, back to Living 4D with Paul Czech. So, you know, the, the point of the discussion around methionine is that whilst people that eat a lot of muscle meats may have issues with too high methionine and therefore high homocysteine, increased risk of ischemic heart disease or coronary heart disease, a vegetarian is not likely to get high um, methionine. However, unfortunately, that doesn't protect you from homocysteine because one of the risks of vegetarianism is something called hyperhomocysteinemia, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it means increased homocysteine in the blood. Um, so you think that, well, that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but it's pro- probably caused by B12 deficiency, which is something else which I think uh, many vegetarians are aware of. Um, and we will talk a little bit more about that later. But symptoms of a B12 deficiency include things like tingling in the hands and feet, fatigue, brain fog, and poor memory. And so if if you are eating vegetarian or vegan and you're suffering with those symptoms, then uh, you may not be getting enough B12, or if you are taking B12 as a supplement, you may not be absorbing it effectively. So that's something to to bear in mind. I just wanted to interject there. Another symptom is uh, diminished sexual performance. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, So then there's also strong links between arachidonic acid um, and mood disturbance, uh, ischemic heart disease and pro-inflammatory states in the body. And arachidonic acid is is the um, essential fatty acid found in meats. So if you are eating vegetarian, you're going to be getting almost certainly very low levels, if any, uh, arachidonic acid. Um, and so it can be protective against mood disturbance, heart disease, and other pro-inflammatory uh, situations, uh, such as you know persistent low back pain or uh, inflammatory bowel disease, those kinds of things. So um, that's, uh, th- that's another benefit of being vegetarian. Um, and then psoriasis is another one that, uh, that may be improved by uh, by a vegetarian diet, and uh, you know that's that's uh, as, as you I think you you were going to talk about this, Paul, but um, uh, often caused by uh, fungal and parasite infections from excessive carbohydrate. Um, so you know this is one thing where 
when we talk about vegetarian diets, quite often people are um, not um, just saying I'm not eating meat, but they're actually quite being quite health conscious about it. And so I think that's probably the reason why vegetarian diets do support uh, psoriasis in many cases. Yes, and also uh, another one we haven't mentioned is um, arthritic conditions. Mm -hmm. Whether even even in cases of rheumatoid arthritis, but osteoarthritis, uh, I've found in analyzing many of their diets and looking at blood work and lab uh, tests on them that uh, they're often eating too much meat and and also very frequently gluten intolerant. And uh, so by cutting the meat back or out for periods of time and getting the gluten out of their diet, I found I've been able to successfully get every single one of them over the years off of anti-inflammatory medications and drugs. And so there is a, a period of application for healing from arthritic conditions. But once again, you've got to be careful of the person's actual genetic needs and uh, not take them from, you know, one problem to the next and that's really kind of the theme of our whole presentation here. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so then the other things that have been shown by research to uh be improved by vegetarian diet is uh total serum cholesterol uh now later on we're i think we're going to talk about that again um and uh you know that's that's not always the case that a vegetarian diet supports improvements in cholesterol it depends on your starting point of course so some of these um, research papers are done on people with ischemic heart disease and then switching to a vegetarian diet can absolutely be helpful in reducing total serum cholesterol. Um, so, uh, but probably a lot of that is down to just having a greater consciousness about what you're eating and the variety of what you're eating, the freshness and so on, the natural, um, whether it's natural or processed. So, so that's one thing to, to bear in mind. Um, again, the studies that show, uh, Heart disease and stroke risk can be decreased by a vegetarian diet for some of the reasons we've mentioned above, uh, particularly uh, arachidonic acid uh, exposure. Um, diabetes risk can be decreased by a vegetarian diet, as can cataract risk. Um, and one of the one of the most uh, interesting um, bits of research I found was that vegetarians have lower levels of neuroticism overall. And um, I think we can potentially re return to that point later but um but that was that was very fascinating as well so um so yeah you know I, yes yes that, that's that's good uh it's interesting because joseph campbell defines a neurotic as someone who acts irresponsibly when they should be acting responsibly mm -hmm. and and how that flows with our conversation is is that if we get caught in an ism but we don't listen to our body and we're not paying attention to our honest impulses and our dreams, for example, oftentimes you'll see that when people are, are on vegetarian diets too long, they start dreaming about themes that have to do with eating meat or hunting animals and things like that. Um, it's fairly normal that whatever we're not giving ourselves that we need to balance our life and our psyche show up in our dreams. People who are, uh, you know, I've met many young men who are following gurus that go into sexual abstinence and find that they're dreaming about sex all the time. Mm. In fact, in my interview with uh, Tim Sheath, he said the night that he ate meat for the first time after being a vegan and vegetarian for many years, he had a wet dream. <laughs> he thought that was quite profound. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I, I said to him, he, he was saying to me, I don't know why that happened. I said, that's the way your psyche is saying, good job, young man. Here's your gift for taking care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> An orgasm without the responsibility of a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, so um, obviously the, the, the uh, neuroticism, you know, we, the, the, the next point we're going to discuss is food as energy and information. And, yeah. um, of course, if, uh, if animals have been factory farmed or maltreated, um, then the animal themselves will be neurotic. They'll be, you know, anxious. Yeah. Um, they'll be depressed, potentially. Um, and if you're eating that as a meat eater, then you're going to have higher levels of neuroticism, anxiety, and so on. So the fact that research has found that vegetarians have a lower level of neuroticism, I think, is, is uh, fascinating because uh, I don't suppose that uh, in those research papers that they uh, make the link there between the, the consciousness of the animals uh, versus the consciousness of the plants and how that affects the consumer. Yes, mm. And there's a lot of levels of, of uh, you know, L issues of the psyche, issues of uh, group comfort, such as being part of a, an ism or a religious uh, tribe, so to speak, mm. where you're getting a lot of psychological benefits. And I think we're going to talk about the psychosocial uh, elements, biopsychosocial elements of it in a, in a sure. while here. But, uh, uh, you know, when we're when we're part of a tribe, especially when you consider the uh, incidence of physical, emotional, and mental and sexual abuse of children, when uh, we have so many people being raised in families where they actually are, um, they've never really had the safety and security of a family within their own family, oftentimes they join groups that may be vegan, vegetarian, uh, Rastafarian, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, various sects of Hinduism, and they have uh, a loving connection and a supportive connection in many ways that lead to a stability that negates neurotic behavior. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and special guest Matthew Walden. You can listen to the special six-part Honest Vegetarian audio program and become one of our first Chikiva subscribers by going to checkinstitute.com forward slash Chikiva. Sign up for the beta test by October 31st. You can find Matt online at mattwalden.com or follow him on Instagram at matthewwalden. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at living4dpodcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's blog at checkinstitute.com forward slash blog.